0: Hello and welcome to Sporting Directors Corner here on Get Football Plus, where we aim to look at football in the context of sporting directors, delve deeper into this multifaceted role and its impact within football across the globe. My name is Shaylash, I'm the CEO at Get Football Group and I'll be your host today. And as always, I'm delighted to be joined by my co-host David. David, how are you this morning?
1: I am well, Shaylash, how are you?
0: I am well, David. I am well. It's always good. We're recording on a Friday, a few weeks before Christmas. Things I were hoping were going to start, you know, tapering off, but it seems to be getting busier than ever. So, so I thought, why not just kind of heighten the emotions and start talking about transfer windows, right? It's kind of like the calm before the storm. Um, I don't know what your timeline's looking at, but mine seems to now be, you know, things are, rumors are feeding in, things are feeding in. So, I just thought, you know it'll be interesting to talk about this particular transfer window the january transfer window and and the kind of what it what it means to a sporting director the kind of things that you've seen you know in the years that you've been profiling them so i guess you know to start off with you know is this window kind of more of a tactical one for a sporting director rather than a strategic one just purely due to its you know the amount of time the window is open for as well as also where it sits within seasons. I mean, what what are you seeing, David? How would you kind of put this window?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you, if you, um, <laughs> if you look at all the, the, the data and the, the metric, the, trans, uh, the winter transfer window is usually not the best uh, to, quote unquote, bring in a, a new player. Uh, but I, I think that there is a, a heightened level of, Uh, I'm going to call it uh, a high level of a lack of reality uh, because the fact of the matter is, is that when you can bring in a player that you've been recruiting, that you've been profiling, that you've been monitoring, um, you bring in that player, right? So yes, you know, uh, if you bring in, uh, just to make up a name, uh, you know, if you bring in uh, Zlatan Ibrahimović, you know, January 4th, I mean he's probably not going to score 40 goals for you right for the remainder of the season you know um it's probably going to be months for him to settle and even, no matter how old or experienced he is it's settling in is a is a human construct it's something that takes time right and there's there's multiple people groups there's his you know the first team squad there's executive ownership leadership there's a manager there's, oh, by the way, if he's if he uh, has a family, significant others, how do they settle into the new city and his surroundings? How does he get comfortable? So uh, without going too far into the abyss with the details, you bring in a player um, as you can. You make, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, contract extensions or, um, you know, you, you make more, I'm going to call it uh, procedural uh, moves, like, you know, say announcing improvements or upgrades to the facilities or, or what have you, right? Depen- depending on the director, depending on the club, depending on his or hers speci- uh, specific remit. Um, this, is, this time of the year, it, I don't want to say it's, n- it's not like any other time of the year, but it's very much business as usual. You, you take care of what you can take care of as it comes across your desk. Yes, yes, there is a hidden highlight element of the transfer window. Um, but at the same time, you, you're really more beholden to the opportunities that you can actually execute more so than, say, the uh, the, the specter of, um, let's call it um, mid-season improvement, if that makes sense.
0: No, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. I mean, it always feels like January is a tough window to operate in i mean do you think there are i mean beyond obviously you know the the time window of that um, you know the one month that you have really do you think there are more unique challenges that sporting directors would face in this window than they would in the summer window
1: yeah i mean you you essentially um i mean i kind of alluded to it but it, it if we're, talk, we're talking specifically recruitment, is that what you're, you're leaning
0: yeah, into? Yeah, recruitment. You know, we, we always talked about the time span of a, of a director. You know, how how important is this window compared to the summer one, I guess, if if you were to... Like, w- w- you know, when you're speaking to, or when you're, you know, profiling these directors, do they talk a lot about the, the winter transfer window as opposed to the summer one in terms of recruitment and what it means to the way they operate?
1: Yeah, I mean... It, it, To answer your question directly, not – I mean, the the, the summer window is technically longer, right? So you can get more done. Uh, However, um, there is very much an ad hoc element to the winter transfer window. Like, I mean, if a certain player – or even, you know, it doesn't get talked about as much um, for obvious reasons, but even if, you know, you you have a manager that you're not entirely thrilled with, you have to do the work on a daily basis and the daily basis of doing the work is very much monotonous, you know, because it, it might not always be a deal. Right. And it might not always be a transfer or a loan that comes through. But if you get more intel on that manager in Belgium that you're really, really high on, um, if you can get more references, if you have more conversations with people in, the, in that league or, or um, contacts, agents. Is there a tangible end result? Usually not. Right. But going into July 1st and you know that your season um, as a club ends, I'm making up a date, May 18th, you, you can start to plan. And the balance of being a director is that you you are fully responsible, um, even if it's unfair, you're fully responsible for the short term. Um, but you are more than capable of, usually, uh, you're more than capable of steering, of manufacturing the mid to long term. But you can't, like, you have to do it every day, if that makes sense, right? You can't be talking about July, or sorry, June, July, August, if you're not doing the work in December, January, you know, uh, February, March. Um, I would even say, You know, once the window closes um, in the summer, you're already planning for I don't want to say the summer window, but you're you're planning for uh, upcoming opportunities. Right. Because you can't you can't predict what may or may not happen. Um, You you know, you, you can't predict if Erling Holland wants to leave Manchester City. I don't want to make up news, right? (laughs) (laughs) But I'm saying, you you you, you can't predict a falling out uh, of a club and a player. You can't predict, um, you know, a war in Ukraine. You know, you can't predict these things, right? So you have to stay on the front foot, on the daily. And that's not necessarily walking on eggshells. But, you know, I remember um, Monchi's Masterclass, I believe, is still up on YouTube. I mean, again, it's in Spanish. But it's very fundamentally sound as far as what they would do at Sevilla to make sure that they were fully aware of all of the profiles that were in their, um, I'm going to call it, ecosystem of attainable talent, and that's something that is on the daily, on the weekly. It doesn't, you know, necessarily turn off um, because it's December, because it's the Christmas break or, or sorry, winter break uh, of that uh, sort, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, it makes sense. And and, and I guess, you know, w- with the window in which you can actually execute a deal being so small, a lot of the work we would we would assume is already done. And I think just like in any business, right, you want to be on the front foot. You don't want to be reactionary or knee-jerk, as you said. But, you know, we're recording this at the start of December. Um, would you think a lot of the work has already been done um, by these directors and they're literally just sitting there? waiting for January to come?
1: I doubt it. I doubt it. (laughs) I
0: I did think so either, but I thought I'd put it there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and again, it it, it always, it it depends on the club, right? Some directors are, I mean, I say this respectfully, are really just heads of recruitment. They they only really have to deal day to day with first team talent. That's it. You know, if that's the case, then that that individual that setup yeah he, he might be just waiting for stuff you know waiting for the dates to hit but a i don't want to say a true director but a director who has shown competency in the management of an entire club you i mean you have the academy the youth set up like i said you have the facilities you have sponsorship marketing you, i mean you have so many different you have so many different uh, responsibilities that are not they don't really care if there's a winter break, right? You know, uh, I mean, they still need to be done and I've said it before and it doesn't really come to the fore um, until there's success or failure, you know, uh, unfortunately, but that director who is, dare I say, the face of um, decisions for a club, he or she is the foil for ownership slash the board. So, I mean, there, there's so much, it's kind of like, I, I think of it like an iceberg. We only see the tip. We see the, oh, hey, you know, um, you know uh, Vinicius has been uh, extended, contract has been extended to 2050. I mean, I mean, I'm joking, but right. You know, like we, we see the extensions, <laughs> right? We, we see those. We see that, hey, you know, um, uh, Napoli might be interested in such player in, in in France, right? We see that. We hear that. You know, we sense that. But we also have no clue. I mean, a, a director, his, his, his or her biggest decision this, let's call it next six to eight weeks, might be upgrading the catering. Right. Like th- these are things that are not like I mean, I know they're not Sky Sport, BBC Sport, uh, you know, ticker worthy. But anytime you are in leadership of human beings, every single detail matters from the tissue toilet paper to the food, to the actual people you come, you bring in to score goals, like every single decision matters. And that's not popular to say, I I can appreciate that. But, you know, I mean, if you follow what I've been sharing the majority of the last four to six weeks A lot of it is anecdotal um, leadership of uh, whether it's managers or directors caring directly, connecting directly to a player, key player. And when you multiply that times 25, again, I I understand that um, there is a level of hyperbole that we want. You know, Um, will will so-and-so come in on a free? Yeah, I mean, that's part of it, right? But what about the ones that are already there? You know, mm-hmm. sometimes the biggest decision is to take another step closer to that player, to that manager, right? And again, that's not always going to be uh, Twitter feed, X feed worthy.
0: No, I, I mean, I, I, I get that. I get that. But but do you think, um, because of you know, you've got such a short time, if you know, the January the transfer window. You know, can be difficult to work in. Do you think the decisions that are made by directors in that window, um, I guess, can be more forgiven if they don't go well than decisions that they maybe make at other times throughout the year, maybe in the summer?
1: Ha! You wish. You wish. I mean, look, the, the directors. There's no. Um, uh, I don't want to use two two uh, North American or two uh, American uh, cliches, but you're always sitting on two strikes. You're always, always sitting on, uh, oh, well, that's the last straw, right? And yeah. at the end of the day, every decision, um, especially in recruitment, when where everybody, um, whether they're in their parents' basement in Manchester or they're putting in their CV on a uh, job portal uh, to get into football, everybody believes that they can do your job better than you as a director, period. Everybody, Right. So you—it's not so much that you have to get every decision right; you have to get the majority of them uh, in the right direction. Because, and I keep alluding to it, um, it's—it's going to be the humans who who uh, who provide the surplus. They're, it's going to be the players and the managers who uh, who, who provide um, that that dare I call it magic, right? So yeah, I mean. There's no grace period. I mean, I wish there was, right? I mean, those days are gone. Those days are gone as soon as social media came to the fore. Like you, you, you have to be able to, and it's unfair to a degree, but you have to be able to get the majority, the overwhelming majority of your decisions correctly. Because as a director, you, you're you ultimately judged by wins and losses, the the people that you bring in, as far as you know, recruitment or as a manager, if they don't win, you don't have a job. So you have to get that part right.
0: No, you're right. I mean, you're right. I mean, you're you're under the spotlight twenty four seven. It feels like, especially when you're at some of the biggest clubs in the biggest leagues. Right, you're constantly under that microscope. Um, but let let I mean, let's 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 talk about. Are, are you seeing? Any directors or clubs making moves or positioning themselves um, for what could be? I don't want to say an active transfer window because I don't want to speculate too much, but I'm just wondering are your spider senses telling you, like, for example, you know, I was watching um, some of the Premier League games during the week and Edu came on, you know, talking to the media, and that's always a surefire sign that he's positioning himself in some form, right? They don't come on for no reason. So I'm just wondering, are you seeing some directors more than you would maybe think um, coming out, trying to just give us a bit of a story?
1: Uh, Perhaps, I mean, like uh, the the last uh, conversation we had was about communication and the very good directors, um, I'll leave managers out of it so I don't confuse myself because that's what happened last time, but the very good directors, they craft narratives. Not to manufacture or to manipulate, but to extend timelines. okay? That's the bottom line. If you can extend your timelines to get decisions right, more often than not, your your competence competency will kick in, and you'll make the best decision for the club, right? So if you see, and I'm not saying that it's, um, you know, posturing or smoke, but if you see a director uh, in the next six to eight weeks, what they're doing is what they should be doing. They should be communicating with um, us, the outside world, as a as a whole, in a sense of "Hey, in general, in general terms, hey, uh, this is where we are. You know, we are either happy or, um, dare I say, hopeful of the results to continue or for them to turn." Um, you know, we are. My favorite favorite variation of this saying is if any uh, decent opportunity that we can afford comes up, we will take it, right? Yeah. Which is what you do every single day anyways, right? <laughs> but but if you do not say that, if you do not say that and you just leave it into the void, you allow for more tension and uncertainty. So I, I, I've been saying it since the summer and I don't necessarily want to fan the flames, but it, it fans itself. Um, you know, when, when we look at, say, uh, Chelsea, they don't talk to their people. They don't talk to their supporters. They don't give them... You know timelines. They don't give them expectations, or when they do, they give them very vague. um, You know, we are Chelsea stuff. Not saying that's right or it's wrong, but you are putting thirty people directly in the line of fire. Forget about thirty people. You're putting Mauricio Pochettino directly in the firing line because he has to get results from twenty five ish people who. I mean, I'm saying this, you know, respectfully, who look to him for where the direction of the club is going, where's the project going. And if no matter what he said internally, it's really hard when the results aren't going your way uh, to continue to, to, to lead in that direction when you don't have uh, unified outward communication as a club. And that part to me is—I'll just be honest—it's disappointing, right? You know, you have mm-hmm. high-caliber uh, operation um, that that you you don't you don't communicate expectation and timelines. Uh, if you can recall, and again, this is again, this is not necessarily the best example, but it's the one that comes to mind. If you can recall, spring this past spring, uh, Borussia Dortmund loses or i forget. essentially they, they didn't win against they didn't win the title against Mainz, right? Bayern Munich, yeah. Jamal Musiala, they score, they do whatever against Cologne. Um i mean what? minutes? seconds afterwards um you know uh they've already made changes in in their leadership and it, it's not even that it's leaked. It, it's been known, you know, uh, around the grounds and everything uh except for the players for for hours, right? And what that communicates immediately, expressly, is that this is not good enough, right? Then you have Karl-Heinz Rummenigge, you have Uli Honis, you have uh, Herbert Herbert Heiner, you have all these um, leadership people on the hierarchy, in the hierarchy of Bayern Munich, coming out and saying, we are going to get a number nine, we are going to rectify uh, our standards. Ad nauseum, they make it overly and abundantly clear that the standard very much will be adhered to. And um, yes, we're champions, you know, what was it, 12, 11 in a row, 10 or however many in a row, yeah. um, but, but we can do better, right? So when when you see, so to, I mean, definitely took the scenic route on your question, okay? Um, definitely took the scenic route. However, when you see directors, what I, what I always look at is like, okay, is this consistent with the calendar of their communication in general, right? Um, for what it's worth, I do I do talk somewhat regularly. You know, I mean, he does for what it's worth, um, yeah. and a, a lot of it. I say this lovingly. A lot of it. A lot of it is just propaganda. Hey, guys, are doing great. <laughs> this is the art okay? You know, hey, you know, um, really happy for Miguel. You know, the Academy's doing great, and that's honestly. That is that is good. It is good to pump up the club. It is good to pump up processes and and positive uh, achievements achievements, because in the absence of that absence of that, just directly across town, you know, in other places, there is not that you don't ever hear from directors. You don't ever hear um, from ownership about what's going on. And to me, and and I'm (laughs) I'm just stacking the evidence as I go forward. The clubs that the, the uh, top players want to play for, everybody talks. When I say everybody, I mean leadership talks. Everybody. Yep. It might not be at a level that is you know, um, you know, uh, every single day, but everybody talks. So whether it's Arsenal, Bayern Munich, Real Madrid… I loathe to say it, but you know, Manchester City, like all these clubs, they talk on a regular, they, there is no, they don't do the void of tension and uncertainty. They talk. The clubs that aspire to be at that level, who honestly have the funding to be at that level, but don't have the leadership. And yeah, I said it that way on purpose. what, What do they normally talk about? They talk about news as it happens. It's very reactionary. It's not... Uh, proactive. So that's Chelsea, that's PSG, that's AC Milan. You know, like that's Juventus. Like I mean, those clubs that that aspire to be at the top echelons of football, they're not consistent with their communication, and you can see that in their actual production on the pitch.
0: Yeah, I you know, I want I want to go talk a bit more about communication actually, and not just the communication coming from the director, but things that they're also hearing outside right I can imagine for them there must be so much noise at this time right you've got managers talking giving little messages you've got players coming out saying I'm not happy with the minutes I'm playing etc etc I'd love to play in England or what what have you how important do you think it is for a director to be able to cut out the noise and do you have any examples of directors that are really, really good at this, like just stick to the task at hand, really believe in the plan that they've obviously devised and just not deviate from it.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, um, I, I don't want to butcher the, an example, but if you've ever had a, um, a puppy, uh, and you're trying to teach that dog, that puppy, how to sit and how to obey and how to like not bark at the, the postman, all these things, they know your voice. Right. Yeah. So, um, you telling your puppy to sit is a whole lot different than me telling your puppy to sit. Uh, they don't. They don't. <laughs> they don't ignore. They hear me, but they don't have to listen to me. So yeah. with directors, um, forgive the, the silly example, but for directors, y- you know, you know who you you know who you need to be listening to, right? Um, there, there's there's a good reason why the majority of them, even if they have social media, they're not on it that they're not they're not visibly on it in a sense right simply because they know who that they, they need to be listening to for constructive either observation or criticism so a good example of that and man I'm talking about people getting fired here a lot I don't really want <laughs> to do that um guy but I'm thinking about Red Bull uh, Red Bull Leipzig and uh, they had Max Eberl what October September early November and For whatever reason, I mean, it it became super obvious at that time that they couldn't go forward together with him as their sporting director. He had different plans of what he was brought in to do, or at least who he needed to be. Let's say it that way, right? So you know what your club identity is. You know how you have achieved a certain level of success. And when you have the opportunity to continue on that path, you either choose the glamour of you know, keeping things, um, dare I say, um, um, the word I'll use is uh, current, you know, fashionable. You know, whoever the hot name is or, you know, my, my, my favorite comment slash um, dichotomy is, oh, we're data-informed. We're data, uh, data-driven. Guess what? No, you're not. You know, <laughs> like at the end of the day, those <laughs> things are not – that, those are That's, that's fodder. At, at the end of the day, who are you as a club? Who makes the decisions? That person, that person's identity is who you make decisions to, right? And Red Bull decided that they needed to part ways. And if you, um, I, I believe it's Oliver Mensloff, uh, CEO, sporting, sporting CD, CEO of Red Bull, basically said, hey, look, mm-hmm. it became obvious that we needed to sever ties, Um, Could we have waited? Sure. But why? Why why wait to make a decision um, that would hopefully help reorient us to where our um, uh, stated and club goal and identity aligns with? And I haven't said in a while, but that alignment with who you are as a club and where you want to get to, that is what you listen to. That's what your North Star is. You know, not me, not Fabrizio Romano, not, you know, the, uh, the opportunity or a certain player's contract, you know, not being extended or, or whatever, what have you. Uh, those things will sort themselves out. But what you do control as a di- uh, director, what you do control as a club is who are we? Like, h- how do we play? How do we how do we handle players? How do we handle managers? How do we talk to supporters? You know, how do we take care of our community? Those are things again. All of those things are not always um, headline-worthy, but if you handle those on a daily basis, when the opportunity to sign, uh, you know, uh, Victor Osimhan comes up, he's he's paying attention to that too, because that's the other side of this, right? We can Mm -hmm. talk about directors all day, and I can, you know, I I I should, (laughs) I will.
0: You can, (laughs) you can. You know,
1: um, but at the end of the day, the players are watching other clubs' projects as well. The players are the ones. It always starts. It always starts and ends with the players. So if the player sees that you know a certain director um, or club leaves a manager out to dangle, insert the three clubs that everybody that comes to everybody's mind. You know, with results or lack thereof. Why would you go there unless they overpaid you to, right? So those, those are things that, you know, at the end of the day, who you are and how you operate on a daily basis is who you're going to be during the transfer window when the, all the lights are on, so to speak.
0: Yeah, I mean, that, that's interesting, actually, that you mentioned about the players there. And I, I was just going to ask you, actually, I was going to put you on the spot a little bit, David. I think last... January transfer window there were over 500 deals completed I think with a value of close to a million um, a billion uh, pounds right so it's not like there is a shortage of activity during this period of time right and if anything I think it's increasing year on year especially after COVID and, and what happened there but are there are there any clubs or directors that you're keeping a close eye on I mean we've talked a lot about Chelsea right they Went on a big spending spree, etc., seemingly just buying everything, um, but also sold pretty well as well. So it'd be interesting to see whether there'll be any more settled down. And I think one that we spoke about previously, we did a whole episode on on Aston Villa, right? And some of the changes that have happened there. And I think one one of one of your favourites, Monchi, you know, he's probably got his feet under the table now. Villa are, you know, I would say one of the new kids on the block in terms of where they're appearing in the Premier League. It'd be interesting to see some of the moves. That would happen, I guess, behind the scenes. There, I mean, is there any that you're looking at with with a keen eye, David?
1: Not, not specifically. It's just more so uh, if you
0: zoom out, you look at trends. You're, you're such a calm guy, David. You,
1: <laughs> no, no. I mean, you,
0: just, you, you don't you don't get caught up in all of this, do you? <laughs> just one No,
1: step. <laughs> no because because the the, uh, the the balance that you have to make sure when you talk about these things openly is that you don't want to. You, you don't want to speed up the timeline of expectations for a manager or a director. Uh, just, I mean, I'm not saying I even have that capability. Right. But um, when I, when I think about um, this period of time, I think about the, the general trends and the general trends are, I've said it before. And those of you who think football is pure and, and, you know, uh, blissful, um, close your ears, follow the money, the money's in the premier league, the money that like, that's where um, that, that's where things will, will sort of, uh, dare I say, uh, wash out in a sense. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, there was a lot of um, consternation about Luton Town and, and the lack of their level of, of, of signings and this, that and the other. Right. But then you also have like Sheffield United on the other side. Right. And then, you know, you look at a club like, say, Bournemouth and bringing in Iriola. Like there's so many different trends, but that's where the money is, right? So if you follow the money, you follow you, you you immediately go to the hoovering up of the Premier League, but then you look at the next tier below and you look at a championship, right? So that's how I would answer your question. It's not necessarily like a club or a a director per se, but if we follow where the money is going, it's to the Premier League, it's to the UK. So um, I would say there's there's always going to be a level of um, uh, safety for German and Italian um, managers, directors to somewhat stay in their comfort of their home country. Um, but you look at uh, Spain. I mean, what is there, four or five different managers uh, from La Liga or that are Spanish that are in the Premier League?
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: I, I, I mean, I would expect that number to continue to grow. Right. So, like I said, I wouldn't look at it necessarily from a, a granular, like specific director, but just look at where look at where they're all going and they're all going to the Premier League. And if you're smart, here's here's my hot take for you. If you're smart, if you're if you're a club owner or if you your favorite club is in the championship, how do you get one of these one of these top managers or directors? Right. Lesser City did it. They they got Enzo Maresca from Manchester City. They're doing okay. I mean, they, there's room for improvement for them, right? I mean, sarcastically, right? So mm-hmm. that's where, like, again, when you follow the money and you you follow the um, I'm gonna call it, potential reward um, of playing in the Premier League. Wow, a lot a lot of these these uh, roles or a lot of these opportunities become more crystal clear to you. Right. If I'm Enzo Maresca and I'm at, you know, I'm uh, uh, peps number two. You don't you don't just have to jump at any opportunity. Right. But if a club on the level of Leicester City says, you know what, we want to get back into the Premier League and you're our guy. There you go. And then even even that. So you look at uh, West Brom with uh, Carlos Corcoran again. It's very um, when you look at the general trend. And then you say, okay, but where's the proof? Where's the proof that managers or directors from other leagues, countries, nationalities are coming to the Premier League? There's your proof. And what's the what's the main catalyst? The the platform, i.e. the money.
0: Well, we spoke about it before, right, David? The money is one thing, but when, when you talk about directors and them feeling fulfilled in their roles and their positions, I don't know the, the the Premier League. I mean, I'm, we're in the bubble a lot because it's probably the most it's the most talked about league in the world, right? But is that is that is that what you're seeing as a, a, the the pathway for directors? Is the Premier League?
1: Yeah, I mean, and I say this respectfully to the other four top leagues. Yeah, it's, it, it's it's very much the top of the game. Everybody aspires to play at the top. You have the best managers. You have you have the top tier of managers and the top tier of spending allo- uh allocatable allowable for players. So you have the best tactics. You have mm-hmm. the best cauldron of competition. If you are the best in the Premier League, I don't know if you're I don't I don't know how you're not the best in the world, right? Or at least in Europe, right? The only use case against that really is a Bayern, a Real Madrid and Every four years or so, uh, Barça. That's it. There's no other, uh, you know. There's no other use case against it. So year in, year out, week in, week out, match day in, match day out, Premier League has the highest level of competition. You're, you're, you're going to draw the competitors. You're going to draw the the level of. Um, I don't always give them uh, credit, but tacticians. You know, you're going to you're going to draw a level of um, a standard that is going to raise all the ships in that in that uh, that ocean, if you will. So there's going Mm -hmm. to be more money. There's going to be more uh, recruitment and there's going to be a higher level of management now or manager now that has to be uh, intrinsic in that league. Right. So at the end of the day, I mean. Do I wish that uh, say, Serie A or La Liga or even Ligue One um, were, dare I say, more uh, flush with cash, possibly? But that's just not how it is.
0: Yeah, no, that I mean that definitely makes sense. I just, I just always thought getting, if you're talking about directors' egos and kudos, and we spoke about, we had an episode on that as well, actually. Um, I'm just wondering whether you can build yourself up to a point in the Premier League as you can in, say, some of the other leagues. There seems to be so much more dilution that happens at the Premier League level because it's, there's this, it's just a wash with cash. So I'm just wondering, um, but maybe that's just my thinking. I don't know what you think.
1: Uh, I mean, I think I know where you're going with it. Every, everybody's different, but at the same time, I mean, I'm saying this as a, as a former athlete. I, hmm. you, you only aim for the best. You, you don't. You don't aim for uh, an also ran. You do that, and then you're a fraud, right? To yourself, man in the mirror, like not not to anybody else, right? So um, there are those who are self-aware, and they they literally can say, you know what? <laughs> I'm German. I love the Bundesliga. I understand and appreciate, even though it could be better. I understand 50 plus one. I get it, right? We're limited. My club is limited, our region is limited, but we can develop talent. They know their lane, some of them know their lane and they stick to it. That's fine. However, the majority, I mean, if you just look at it from a level of um, take uh, what's his name? Uh, Christoph Freund, okay? How many years did he spend at Red Bull uh, Salzburg? Almost two decades. And he knew that he was the best. I'm saying this respectfully. He knew he was the best in Austria. When Bayern Munich comes calling, that's different than, say, Chelsea the year before, right? Because Chelsea the year before in 2022 or 2021, I mean, it's not that it's a bad opportunity. Let me be clear. But that's not real. That's a different setup, right? That's a different, different depth of a pool or ocean, if you will. But going to Bayern Munich, you know, is Germanic. You understand the region. You've supplied players to that league. You get to do what you've always done at scale. And that scale is the key word. When you can do what you are good at at scale, you have to aim for the top. So uh, Christoph Freund goes from Austria uh, to essentially the top of Germany. I I don't ever see him going to, say, a Real Madrid or even like say, I mean, not saying probably a step down if we're being honest, but I can't see him at, say, an Ajax or any Premier League club. Not because he can't do it, but because at scale to do what he does, there's his options are limited and they're limited based on the timeline Mm -hmm. of being able for it to be successful.
0: Yeah, no. I mean, it's, it, you, you you make complete sense, you know. And uh, money does talk, uh, definitely, without a doubt. Um, are you looking forward to this window, David? Thought I'd just ask last question.
1: Uh no, no. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I'll be honest. I mean, I, I look forward to the window uh, for the non um, the other four leagues because they take a break. And I'm not gonna bang the drum of, you know, I mean, I, I think it doesn't need to be uh, banged, but um, these, these kids play too many games. They play too many games. There's so many games. There's so many games. there's too many games. So to have a end season period of just dare I say, armistice, you know, like not not going at it, it allows for the batteries to be recharged. and, yes, I mean, it's always interesting to see uh, what transfer deals um, uh, transpire. But quite honestly, um, this is a perfect time to be looking at the summer, whose contract has not been renewed. You know, like who, what, what managers and what leagues um, are showing promise? You know, the, to me, this the, the, the winter transfer window is more of a of a look around the corner to the summer. So whatever happens in the winter is bonus. But you can start to see the tea leaves in a sense now.
0: No, agreed. And I, that was actually going to be that was actually going to be the point I was going to say. Actually, like how much are directors looking at the summer through the lens of this trans of this winter window? I guess it must, they should be doing that by default, right?
1: By default, yes. But then also, you just there's that last five percent that you just have no intel on, right? You just don't yeah. know and. Whether it's, like I said, uh, world events that happen or a complete, I don't want to call it tragedy, but complete falling out or catastrophe at, at, a, at a bigger club can send shockwaves through entire um, leagues, you know, in a sense. And there's always a domino, right? Um, I, again, I don't want to create fake news, but if any any of the top three clubs in any of the top five leagues... Um, continues well actually let's 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 name names if uh if things don't continue to not go well at Lyon, um that that changes that changes what happens in the summer right changes a lot what happens in the summer right and because of the opportunity for that ship to be righted what manager or managers are going to be pulled into that right so like you start to at least for me i start to look at it as far as um Either building blocks or dominoes. Which, like, who who is going to build? Who is trying, fighting to build for the future, versus what dominoes are falling <laughs> in, in a, a somewhat negative way.
0: Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens at the end of the window for sure. Um, David, listen, I think it's been really insightful actually to talk a bit about the kind of thought processes that take place, um, you know, amongst directors and clubs. Um as they approach these windows and and even during and and after. So you know I really, really ap- appreciate you sharing your insights today. I really hope that the audience out there have enjoyed this episode. Um, as always, you know I will put David's uh, Twitter handle on the show notes. He puts out some really, really interesting and informative information around uh, directors, managers, just football in general. So I would definitely give David a follow and please keep a look out on our get football media outlets you know where we cover european football world football with you know news videos opinions from some of the most plugged in analysts across the football landscape you'll see a link in the show notes to that as well and as always i just wanted to say we hope you have a great day and see you on the next one